Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty here on a Farmer Friday. All throughout our show today, our phone lines will be open. We'd love to hear from you if you want to call into the show. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So today we are live in the Morton studio, and it's <laughs> there's actually been a little snow uh, here where we farm, right in southeast South Dakota. So if you look at on the map where Minnesota, Iowa, and South Dakota all meet, uh, we're probably only about 20 miles or so from that spot. So that's kind of where we're located here in the north central Corn Belt. And yeah, a lot of years it gets it gets pretty cold, even here in April. Now for us, we're pretty lucky because we're going to raise a lot of silage corn this year. And quite frankly, with silage corn, I'm not as concerned about planting date as I am with grain corn. But we are going to have a lot of questions about cold soils here over the next few weeks. Last year, even all the way into late May, we had quite often soil temps dropping down into the 30s and 40s. Now, granted, it's not like the average that day was that, but soil temps can vary a lot more than you may think. South Dakota State University has a weather station right on our farm, right at our Ag PhD field, they say. And they have temperature sensors at 4 inches deep, at 24 inches deep, and a couple of spots in between. And so we're able to see what that soil temp is every day. In fact, every five minutes each day year-round. It's pretty awesome. But what I didn't realize is how much those soil temps can vary. So like last spring, for example, it was common for the soil temp to vary 8 to 12 degrees in a single day. In a day. So when people get all hung up on, well, I've got to have the soil temp at 50 degrees and rising before I'm going to plant my corn. Come on. (laughs) When are you going to measure that? So are you going to measure it first thing in the morning? Are you going to measure it in the evening? Are you going to measure it when the sun's out? Are you going to measure it when it's cloudy? Um, we had many days last spring where the soil temp, and this is no joke, it varied 20 degrees in a single day. 20 at four inches deep. I didn't think that was possible. I really didn't, especially in May, but it did. Anyway, here's where I'm going with all this. So undoubtedly, you're going you're gonna to plant here over the next few weeks. And if you're in the northern United States or if you're in Canada, you're going to deal with the same thing that I am, where we're going to put the seed in the ground and the soil temp at the time, literally the minute we plant that seed, the soil temp might be 45, 50, 55, whatever, but you're going to get some cold nights. And that soil temp is going to drop down into the 30s, potentially, or at least the 40s. But on our farm, I, I'll guarantee you we will have a bunch of seed that's planted And at some point between now and June, we're going to have some nighttime soil temperatures down in the 30s. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, that's bad, and you can't plant then and everything else. Here's what we've learned over the years. Number one, soil temp is not nearly as important as you think. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have a nice warm soil temp, but I'm willing to plant and the seed can survive in low soil temps. That's where I'm trying to go with this. However, you're going to have more issue with insects and diseases because that seed's going to sit in the ground longer before the plant emerges. Even when the plant emerges, I just want you to think about this because we talk often on the show about seed treatments and 
I, I get that it's a seed treatment. And I understand how a lot of people believe that, well, once, a, once the crop pops out of the ground, that seed treatment doesn't do you any good. Oh, no. Not these newer seed treatments. A lot of them are in the plant either season long or at least for a couple of months. And so we're still gaining something there on insect control, disease control, and just overall plant health. So what we will typically do when we're planting into these kind of conditions that we're most likely going to have here over the next three weeks is, number one, we're looking for a high cold germination score. What a lot of people don't realize is the seed tag that you get, it'll say a germination percentage on your seed you're buying. Well, if it's corn and soybeans, you know what temperature they run that germination test at? 77 degrees. I know because we have a certified lab. We've had a, a, a lab here at Ag PhD for about 30 years now. So when you're testing a seed at 77 degrees, it's nice to see that it germinated and everything. Uh, yeah, I love seeing that too, but I got to be honest, when my soil temp, the average temperature for my soil each day is 50, 55, 45, somewhere in there, I care a lot more about that cold germination score. So if your seed company's not providing that to you, you may have to get the seed, send it in for analysis. Now, I realize we're getting late, and so, you, I mean, you may not have the opportunity to do that this spring, but... I'd suggest you do that in the future. If you're going to plant into cold soils, you've got to know what the cold germ score is. The next thing is you want to have a really good seed treatment. Not every, not every seed company out there spends the money that, uh, that a few do in terms of putting more seed treatments on. So the seed that we'll plant on our farm this spring will have four or five fungicides on it. It'll have insecticide, and it's going to have a whole bunch of biologicals. So, I mean, roughly, let's call it 30 different biologicals, beneficial fung fungi and, uh, and bacteria, things that are helping that plant get out of the soil sooner. Uh, we've actually seen faster emergence with these kind of things. Um, it, it, it makes more difference for you when you plant in the type of environment that we do. Because, again, even if your soil temp the day you plant looks good, we know, just statistically speaking, it's coming back down at some point. All it takes is even one cold night and your soil temp can drop that 10, 12, 15 degrees like I'm talking about. Okay, beyond that, I guess I've been talking to a lot of people about just overall weed, insect, and disease control here this spring. And some people are really concerned with rising uh, input costs and everything else. Look... A lot of ag chem products are flat and some are even down and I, I believe next year some will be down even more. But what we always encourage you to focus on is return on investment. I don't care whether I spend $5 or $10 or $15 to control my pests, whatever it is, or $50, as long as I get a return on investment. So always be looking at those things. That's most important. Again, it's Farmer Friday. We're going to get to your phone calls coming up next. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming. 
Because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio here on a Farmer Friday. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. If you'd like to call in, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. First on the show, we got Tony Wendler with us. He's with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how are you today? I am excellent, Brian. And yourself? Doing great. Um, hey, I got a, a caller here, Robert. If you wouldn't mind, I'm going to bring him on too, because I guess he's got some questions about closing wheels. That sound okay? Yes. All right. Um, all right, Robert uh, from Illinois. Hey, you're on with us. Uh, I got Tony Wendler on here too with Farm Shop MFG. Uh, how are things out in Illinois? Well, we're a little bit on the wet side today. Uh, had a maybe a half inch of rain yesterday. Probably brought brought you guys more snow with that front. But, yep. Uh, but <laughs> so, so. always fun where we farm. Hey, Robert, I hear you yeah. got some questions on uh, closing wheels. Go ahead. Yeah, I I think. There have been a lot of advancements in the planter technology and so forth, and I think the um, the closing devices is an area that's kind of a, still kind of a wild frontier. A lot of things going on and necessary. That, uh, we have been operating with uh, John Deere planter with cast iron closing wheels for decades, and for most of our situation, those have worked out okay. But my son's expressing some dissatisfaction now. We're uh, we farmed some really heavy soils, ICEC, and then also some lighter soils. Sure. Uh, years back, we had tried some spike-type wheels, and on the the lighter soils, drier conditions, we ended up with seed on top of the ground, didn't like those. Went back to the—we had just sampled those. We just had one or two rows. But in regard to what Tony's—Tony, uh, are, are you there? Yeah, Robert, go ahead. Yep, I'm listening. Okay. Uh, so we got a uh, combination soil, and uh, but we strip till most of our corn if, if we're able to get the strips made in the fall. Beans, we do some strips, some some stale seed bed, and some conventional. Um, my son's latest complaint is, and and we've been to some planter uh, instructional type 
things uh, some years back. Uh, do you think with your closing wheels, is proper alignment of the closing device any more or less important than it would be with the standard approach? Well, I would always like to have the closing wheel arm centered over the furrow. Uh, I right. think with any system, that's the correct thing to do. Yeah. Now, when you talk about uh, different things like uh, throwing seeds out, uh, the way we've set ours up, we've got what we call our inner shoulder, which is uh, mm -hmm. like a, another step that sits inside the spikes. So right. our our spikes sit a reasonable distance away from the furrow. We're not down there with our spikes right at the bottom of the furrow doing potential tillage and flipping seeds. Okay. Uh, yeah. But displacement, and then it uh, when they go into the ground, it, it forces the ground to go somewhere, so it tends to squirt into the void of the furrow. And right. then the uh, shoulder rolls down on it and uh, squeezes the air out. And the, the real quick way to envision it is hands pointing down the V with your palms facing each other, your thumb is the shoulder. As your hand slides down the V, your thumb grabs soil in, in between your two thumbs and pinches it together at the seed zone. So like that's that. how we create that firm vein, and it uh, we've got very good uh, particle contact. We get capillary effect and wick moisture up from below, and, and we'll wet those seeds faster than other products. So compared to your cast, we've replaced a lot of cast wheels. The uh, okay. with our with our steel, we're not going to bring this huge weight like you've got, but the uh -huh. uh, the edges on it cut in and the shoulder firms and then when you talk about some of these other products uh, they uh, they'll split the soil as opposed to uh, press it we press it to the furrow bottom and uh, wow. the uh, these others will split the soil so they have loose soil they have a harder time squeezing air out and some of these products you get them too close that's where you can see the seeds flipping out and then uh, as yeah. I said before you want to keep them all centered Okay. So, okay. so, so Robert, what 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 you've described in the beginning there was what ends up happening to a lot of people. On some years, one thing works; another year, another thing yeah. works. You got wet conditions, you got dry. You got heavy soil, you got light. It's hard to make one thing fit perfectly, and there does require adjustment as you go through the season. And yeah, that centering that 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 gets to be a really big deal too. So there's there 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 really is a lot to go into it. So I, I we appreciate the questions. Right. What what I else did you want to know? Just uh, two quick follow up things. Uh, we've just recently got equipped with the 360 Bandit um, fertilizer uh, nitrogen fertilizer on both sides of the row. And uh, would would the uh, um, the germinators result in some more loose dirt on top of the ground for the drag chain to you know possibly seal that fertilizer in with? You think there uh, it would be a further positive? We don't end up with much loose dirt on top of the ground with the cast iron. I hope you put it that way. Well, what what will occur with the germinator is. Uh, we're primarily pressing the soil. We've got flat surfaces, okay. 90 degrees to the wheel, and we're pressing it okay. towards the furrow. In the center, above that uh, vein we create at the bottom, uh, uh -huh. soil is displaced over, and it's loose and fluffy. Now, it, it would kind of look like a uh, – uh, just puffed up a little bit in the middle like a uh, cake. Uh, 
uh, uh-huh. not a cake, a, a, a loaf of bread. Uh, the uh-huh. uh, It just puffs up a little bit there, but it's loose. Uh, drag chains for your fertilizer, that, that's one thing. For the uh, row, I don't... I don't think you need them on our system. Right. Uh, right. I used to have drag chains we, removed them. Yeah, we we've never had drag chains until until now. Just and that's just because of the fertilizer. Uh, the last yep. thing I've got is: do, do you have any issues with uh, with buildup in in mucky conditions? Uh, I mean, do they uh, the germinators keep themselves clean pretty well? In uh, in no till, stale till, things like that, never an issue. Uh, in uh, conventional in conventional till in mud, just like it yeah. sticks to your gauge wheels, it will stick to these yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> if you that's a, that's if you got stuff sticking, yeah, if you got stuff sticking to the gauge wheels, it will be sticking to a germinator. Yeah. Okay. I I sure appreciate your time, Tony. And we did speak briefly last year at Hefty's, uh, right at the end of Hefty's Field Day. Uh, me and okay. uh, my crew spoke about the fan controllers. We're still in negotiations with the staff in regard to that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm still working. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks that, for thank thanks for calling much. in, Robert. Yep, you, yep, appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Tony, um, I'm sure you get a lot of those kind of questions at this time of year. Um, we got about a minute left here. What what do you have for tips for farmers who are going to be planting in, uh, let's call it cooler and maybe slightly damp conditions here over the next couple of weeks? A uh, big thing is make sure you get that uh, that furrow completely closed. Squeeze the air out of the bottom. One of the worst things you can end up in these conditions is that uh, you go back and you need to go back and dig that you leave air voids and it's not uncommon in wetter conditions to have that crumbles kind of go over there and uh, you'll have air voids and as it dries out then it dries right down to the seed and the the seed is lost uh may start sprouting dies or just ends up in an air pocket and nothing happens so Hey, dig. Uh, Everybody always dig no matter what, but that's a special time to dig and make sure. uh, Very common thing out of Kansas last year, a lot of guys down there tell me they plant in wet conditions, their furrows dried out, opened up, and it's a terrible thing to recognize that in June. That uh, you've, you've ruined, you've damaged a crop. Get off that tractor seat, go back behind that planter. Definitely. And the, the the last thing I'd suggest is germinators are awesome. <laughs> All right, Tony Wendler again with Farm Shop MFG. If you want to check out that germinator, anything else that he's doing there, it's farmshopmfg.com. Thanks for being on the show again, Tony. Thanks, Brian. Bye. You bet. All right, he does make a couple of great points there. Make sure you're getting your, your furrow closed. Have great seed-to-soil contact, two really big keys. Issues you create today can be with you all season long. Stay tuned. We'll get back to the phone lines right after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Applying nitrogen to my planter is an important part of our system. It's efficient and puts nitrogen right in the root zone. Hi, Greg Souter. 360 tanks make on-planter nitrogen much easier. Those 700-gallon tanks keep the tractor balanced, distributing weight evenly over the axles, and they give me great visibility. Plus, with the narrow transport width, mailboxes are safe. Take a good look at 360 Yield Center tractor tanks and see how they help boost efficiency at planting time. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Again, I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today. Our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD. Next up, we got Matt calling in from over in Minnesota. Hey, Matt, how are things for you today? Oh, today not too bad, a lot better than yesterday. We ended up with almost three inches of rain. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so that that'll pretty much take care of you for about the next uh, four weeks, huh? Yeah, yeah, it gives us some time to uh, finish up anything on the cultivators or planters that we didn't have done yet. Oh, uh, have you started planting at all? No, we just got we're on the just east of tw- or west of the Twin Cities, and we had just gotten rid of. Luckily, got rid of all the snow. Yeah, been nice for that week, and yep. now we're flooded out. Uh, that's too bad. So, so at this point, are you thinking that maybe in ten days or so you might be able to get back in if if you can be relatively dry, or what? What are things kind of looking like? I would hope so. Maybe in the next ten days, two weeks. Yeah. they're kind of talking less rain. 
yep. coming if we can just get some warmer temps. Yeah. But mainly it's just get dry. Yeah. We're used to planting when it's cold. Yeah. How late is the latest you've ever planted uh, corn on your farm and had it turn out pretty good? Usually it's around the first of June maybe. Yeah. We'll quit with corn and switch to beans because it's all for grain anymore, no silage or nothing. So sure. we're hoping yet. I mean, you know, you got a good variety of hybrids yet. Oh, yeah. Not wanting to switch yet, so. <laughs> no, a li- little bit early to be talking about that, that's for sure. Yeah, we had, well, about three years ago, one of our research guys um, did something that uh, they hadn't originally planned on doing, and let's just put it this way. We had to replant about, I don't remember what it was, 30 or 40 acres of corn, and I think it was June 10th, and we still got over 200 bushel corn. I was going, wow, we haven't planted corn that late in a really long time, but I I just think these varieties are a lot better, so we can plant fairly late and still get pretty darn good yield. Oh, definitely, and lot better handling the cold and stuff although there was some this year guys we really had to check them there were some that weren't so good on the cold germ or obviously yeah. the saturated what yeah. we have now so yeah at least we got that taken care of yep so you you mentioned you'll have a little time to do some more workout equipment here this spring but was there anything uh new and different you had equipment wise going into this year um, we got a new field cultivator and we were putting a spray bar on that cause we incorporate oh, sure. at the same time. Yep. And we went to multi-hybrid yep. on our planter. Yep. So we were getting that set up and stuff and running the meters. Okay. So, so let me ask you about that real quick with the multi-hybrid thing. Is your plan, cause I'm guessing you probably already have something relatively close to figured out on a lot of these fields. Was your plan to plant like two varieties in pretty much every field? Um, mainly, we kind of went a different route. Our plan was we only have one 60-foot planter. Okay. So we were going to run the bulk fill with the bean meters, but yet if we wanted to switch and go to a cornfield, we'd have corn in the boxes on the back <laughs> and not have to switch everything. Interesting. And stuff, and we do some uh, intercropping of corn and bean strips. Okay. And this makes it a lot easier. Sure. Yep, yep. How long have you been doing the intercropping? Uh, two years we've tried it yep. and stuff, and we kind of want to scale it up a lot more. Sure. So hopefully if we can get a normal spring. Oh, um. <laughs> uh, oh, Matt! Normal spring? What? What is that yeah, anymore? <laughs> and that's why we kind of went this route of simple as switching. You know, in the monitor, I'm planting. Yeah. Beans on twelve rows and corn on the other twelve. Sure. So your intercrop is twelve and twelve. Twelve and twelve. Got it. And yep. So we've the beans have been pretty consistent. We haven't lost, and we've gained on the corn. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And, and like last spring, we were wet, and I believe we switched the planter back and forth like five times. Oh, so. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> this I, way should be a little easier <laughs> if you got some couple yep. cornfields, you're waiting for them to dry. Yep, definitely. All right, well, Matt, we'll pray for some drier weather for you. Good luck over there. Have a safe spring. Sounds good. Thank you. You bet. All right, we're going to head up to North Dakota now. Got Josh calling in. Hey, Josh, how are you today? 
Good, how about you? Great. Here you got a bunch of snow up there again, huh? <laughs> uh, six, eight inches in the last day and a half. My daughter's, well, I've got one daughter who her birthday is May 1st, and there was one spring, it was probably four or five years ago, where she woke up and there was a foot of snow on the ground. May 1st, and it's like, oh my goodness, winter's still hanging on. But you know what? It, it wasn't very long. We got rid of the snow, got stuff planted, and crops still turned out good. So we'll, we'll, we'll hope for the best for you up there. Well, last year we started seeding on May 24th, I believe it was, mm-hmm. late, and it was the, I mean, it was, it was, 70 plus bushel wheat it's the second best wheat crop i've ever had and it was the best soybean crop i've ever had so if we have a repeat of last year i'm not opposed well the one thing about it when and this is something my dad always talked about too because we're in a drier area of the country let's face it but he just said you know if you're delayed planting the the only reason you're probably delayed is wet soils right i go yep he goes well here's the good news you got subsoil moisture now we have relatively heavy soils that's probably going to get you halfway home now all you need is a couple timely rains in summer you could still have good yields so he was always trying to be optimistic this, uh, this, I think we're going to come into the, if we come into play like last year, I, you know, flag leaf fungicided and wheat and it paid huge and I plan to just do it every year now. And I'm guessing we're going to have another year where flag leaf fungicide is also going to pay because it'll be wet. Right. Yep. I agree with you. And then the other thing with wheat, I mean, as you know, that canopy is just so thick. You walk out there about any morning and you're, you're soaked, soaking wet immediately. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, so, the, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the next, uh, we're building a new house this year, and I was watching where we're going to put the house and some water traveling there, and I decided that uh, maybe the best thing to do would put drain tile in. So I'm <laughs> yep. going to go look at a drain tile machine because we're going to bring in rural water, and I went, well, I can bring rural water in with it too. Yep. And the bill would be about the same for the drain tile machine as it would be to pay. So I think gotcha. the next step will be to start drain tiling if I can. <laughs> yep. Yeah, our dad grew up in north central Iowa where they get about 50% more rainfall than we do. And so he talked about drainage all the time, even though we're like, drainage? We barely get any rain. But we built everything up, all our buildings we built up and all that. So, you know, in the flood years, it has been really helpful. And, yeah, we've been adding tile just like you, you're talking about. And it does really come in handy. So what else are you thinking about as you go into the spring here, Josh? Well, it's, <laughs> I have a, we have a brand new baby on the way, so oh, wow. that'll make an interesting spring too. And two two kids born right in the middle of May, one one this year and one two years ago. So we uh, planning wasn't wasn't on the forethought <laughs> of that one either. Wow! So you have a lot going on: new house, new baby on the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I guess, and and now maybe a little bit delayed planting. So uh, yeah, ho- hopefully you can just relax a, a few days this summer once that crop gets in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, I hope so, but we moved to a five-pass system in wheat, so the sprayer will be going quite a bit. We did uh, sure. did start with the H-2A program this year, so I have a gentleman from South Africa oh. helping, so that, that's that been making a big difference. He's gotten a lot of stuff done, even as the snow is melting, that I haven't been able to get to in years. So Yeah. Well, good. So anyway, Josh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly pray for the best for you up there. Uh, hopefully everything turns out with the house and, and the baby all, all turns out good. So anyway, good luck to you there. Thanks a lot for calling in today. Have a safe spring. Yeah, you too. Thanks. You bet. All right, again, it's Farmer Friday here on the show. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. 
You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So coming up after, after this, we'll get right back to the phone lines a little bit later in the show here. If we have some time, we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag, get a few good questions in there as well. As always, lots of soil tests, weed questions, everything else. So we'll, uh, we'll try to get to all that coming up yet. This is Ag PhD Radio. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year, uh-huh, maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at sound.ag. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. This is Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Randall did. He is from down in Nebraska. 
Randall, I hear you got some questions about popcorn fertility. Uh, yes. Um, my assumption is that we're basically trying to raise 120 to 130 bushel corn. Okay. And so the nitrogen requirements would be what? The oh. same as field corn? Okay. So if you look at a lot of the universities that have done the work on this, they're going to tell you, Fertility requirements for field corn are pretty similar with popcorn. The difference might be with that nitrogen side. And they say you can usually expect um, a, a little bit to you, to get by with just a little bit less, maybe 10, 15% less with popcorn than you would uh, for regular field corn. But let's, let's talk about that real quick. Let's just say, for example, and I'm punching this into the Egg PhD <clears throat> Fertilizer Removal App, 130 bushel corn, that, that takes 146 pounds of nitrogen. Well, if I lower that by 10%, you know, that's an extra, call it 15 pounds less. So it, right. it not a lot of difference there, no. No. Okay, so in row furrow, we were planning on using... <clears throat> Three gallons of riser R, okay. Pivot Bio, a half rate of Zyway, and I was also questioning whether or not to use a growth regulator for stock strength. Okay, uh, like what kind of growth regulator? I don't know those. <clears throat> Okay. I just okay. thought about it. Sure, sure. Okay, so the the riser, and I'm I, I've heard of that before. I believe that's just a uh, uh, fertilizer, yeah, right? A, fertilizer blend. Yeah, it's just a clean <clears throat> form of phosphate. Is all it is. Sure, <clears throat> sure. Gotcha. Okay, so when we start talking about infurrow, I don't care if we're talking corn, popcorn. I, I mean anything corn related. We have to be a little bit careful with. Salt load, uh, corn can withstand more than like soybeans, for example. But nevertheless, right, right. I'm, I'm always going to be worried about anything that's going to drop on the seed. And in, in large part, this is the delivery mechanism. And here's what I mean by that. What we find, unfortunately, with a lot of the, the in-furrow application uh, equipment that's out there, it won't just give you a nice steady stream. Instead, what it will do is spit. And so there will be a little spot where it gives some dribbles and then nothing, and a spot and nothing, and a spot and nothing. Well, if that spot has a lot and it goes right on your seed, then in effect, instead of like the equivalent of three gallons, it might be the equivalent of five or 10 gallons. And now all of a sudden we might have an issue here or there. So as long, and, right. and that's, this is part, part of the reason why we, a lot of times we'll talk to people about putting water in, in the furrow also put water together with mm -hmm. your fertilizer and some of these other things. So the more quantity we have, the easier it is to spread that out. So that's one of my concerns. Okay. With the pivot, yeah. With, so I don't think you're going to have any problem with that. It should be okay. With the pivot bio stuff, um, I, I'll just say if you're putting any water in there, you want to make sure that you've got um, non-chlorinated water or put a treatment together to make it non-chlorinated. So are you? Right. So that's that's a real big key there. But I, I don't have any issue with you throwing that in there. Uh, Zyway. 
Zyway, mm-hmm. what it does, it is a triazole fungicide, and triazoles right. have, have been known to limit gibberellic acid production in the plant. And so we have seen where the Zyway gets put on like we do on our farm with that Thrive 3D system, the foaming system, so it really spreads it out in that furrow. Uh, we've seen no issues. When we end up with this, like I was talking about, this kind of spitting that, that ends up happening with these liquid fertilizer delivery systems in furrow, sometimes we will see some plants that do get slightly stunted from Zyway. Now, granted, if you're going a half rate, that's going to make it way easier and safer, but that's my only mm-hmm. concern with Zyway. So that's usually why we like to keep it off the seed if we can, just to be on the safe side. In terms okay. of a growth regulator, um, you you can certainly do something like that. I, I guess without knowing what it is, it's, it's going to be hard for me to say, uh, but we have used uh, let's call it IBA, cytokinin. We've tried some gibberellic acid in furrow. We've tried a number of things in furrow. Uh, by the way, we even tried gibberellic acid to overcome the Zyway. Inhibiting the gibberellic acid didn't really work out so well for us. So I'm just just trying to say, yeah, we, we often create one problem and we're like, let's come up with anything. We'll just throw a whole bunch of stuff at it and see if something sticks. And uh, yeah, that didn't work. So anyway, I, I, don't, I don't have a real big problem with your overall mix here. But just some some minor concerns with the riser and the Zyway, that would be it. What about kelp? It was suggested to me to use kelp. I know nothing about kelp. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we we've tried that a bunch in our research. We just we haven't really gotten anywhere with it. So and maybe in your soils or for whatever reason you will get some response there. But I'm I I, I would say that's a let's try it on a few acres rather than let's do it on the whole farm kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, um, our weather down here is awful, horribly <laughs> dry, going to be very cold, tired of it. We're all tired of it. Yeah, we, How about you? Uh, yeah, not, not dry so much anymore, but, I mean, we had... We had been in drought until about December when it started snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing. Uh, we'd been in drought for two and a half years. And granted, we're not yeah. as hot as you are. And so that that really helped us over the last two and a half years. And our crops were still not too bad. But yeah, if like for any of our listeners, if you go to the drought monitor map that uh, UNL puts out, University of Nebraska-Lincoln, mm-hmm. that they put out every Thursday, you will see yep. that this area where Randall's calling in from um, – it is one of the worst in the entire country. So, yeah, Randall, we'll be praying for some rain for you guys down there. And, you know, here's yeah. the other thing. I, and this is this goes back to what my dad and my grandpa's always told me. Look, things are going to change. I mean, we just have to kind of survive some of these tough times, but we have to do everything we can to manage through that. And so you brought up right away popcorn fertility. And let me just say this. I don't care what crop we're talking about. Fertility is more important in a drought than it is in great weather. And the reason why is because if that plant runs short on any one nutrient at any time, it's going to start pulling more water in, even though it doesn't need the water. And we make our crop a water waster. And all of a sudden, then in the middle of the summer, we're out of water and we go, well, we need more water. Well, yeah, but if we would have done a better job balancing our nutrients in the soil and just having enough fertility there, it would have made a difference. And let me bring up just a couple of quick things. And I know I'm rambling on here, Randall, but I was just talking no, to no, some, go, go right ahead. I, I was just talking to some guys this morning and they were showing me some of their data and they said, Oh, look at this. See the copper, the more copper I have, the lower the yield. And I go, wait a second. I've had the exact same thing. But let's get smart about this. Why is this a problem? I said, I'll bet you you've got lower phosphorus levels. And sure enough, that's exactly what it is. It was 
phosphorus to copper ratio. So we have to look at, again, balance in the soil. So that's why we start talking about some of these ratios, phosphorus to copper phosphorus to zinc. Uh, even looking at how much potassium you have. Potassium is the biggest need for a corn crop that, or, your, or your popcorn crop. It needs more potassium than it does even nitrogen. And potassium doesn't move nearly as well in that soil as nitrogen does. So it just means when we're in these kind of dry environments like you and I farm in, we've got to have really good levels of potassium that's available to the plant or our crop becomes a water waster early in the season. And we get later in the year and we see, oh, there's yellowing in the outside of the lower leaves of the plant. Oh, it's potassium deficiency and we needed more potassium. Uh, yelp, we, we should have been looking at that on the upfront side. So uh, if you listen to the show very often, we're talking potassium quite often. It's because a lot of these nutrients uh, like potassium, they, they show up late in the year and guys are like, oh, now I got a problem. Well, we got to look at the soil test, get the soil balanced, get the right amounts out there and then set ourselves up. Whether we have a dry year and yields are going to be a little lower, I mean, that's one thing. But even like our dad talked all the time to us about 1976 and his story was we had less rain than the Mojave Desert that year. But anyway, he said yes. there's a big variance from one field to the next. And we've seen it in our drought, our really bad drought years, too, where we do a better job trying to build organic matter, have more you know, fertility and balanced fertility. We're getting more yield. So anyway, so, thanks for listening to my little rant so, there, Randall, and thanks for calling in. Best of luck to you down there. So uh, how we're supposed to get to be 24 degrees down yep. here, and I'm still planting oats. Yep. Uh, we yeah uh, we we have been too. I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you what, Randall. Hang on just a second. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg. Think Biological. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. 
there's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at DeerEquipment.com. That's D E R Equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best in class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Right before the break, we were talking with Randall down in Nebraska. Randall, sorry about that, but uh, you were saying with oats, you're continuing to plant, even though the nighttime temp's probably going to get to 24 degrees. Was your question that uh, is that a good idea, or what? 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 do you have in mind there? I uh, <clears throat> custom plant, and I have oats that are up. My question is, will I kill them this cold temperature? Uh, probably not. No. Um, now you you very well will likely lose some leaves, but uh, I doubt you'll end up killing that completely. <clears throat> so oats are they're fairly hardy. Um, let's put it this way: we we seed oats as a cover crop in the fall, and right. it's it's very late <laughs> by the time they finally die off. A lot of times I'm like, boy, those oats are hanging on pretty darn good, and it seems like it's been ten degrees outside. So anyway, I'm not saying yours will survive to ten, yeah. but I th- I feel pretty confident that yeah, you might lose a few leaves, but I I wouldn't get that worried about it at 24. I made the decision not to water the irrigated wheat until after this cold weather because I felt that stimulating this plant and then hitting it in the head with this temp was the wrong decision. Hmm. Would you agree or disagree? Hmm. Well, we don't have irrigation on our farm for me to uh, to try that out other than a, a tiny little bit of stuff. Plus, I can't get my crop to come up this early. We're too cold up here. But but anyway, uh, I, I would I, I think back to orchards and how they water the trees the night before it's supposed to they're supposed to have a frost so but yeah i i i honestly haven't tried it though i i i'm always curious about things like that because you bring up a great question i'm sure there's research out there and i'm sure some of our listeners know the answer to this so by the way if you know the answer call in but if it was me i would probably try uh, just a little bit and see if I see any kind of difference out there. I do see lots of difference where we do tillage versus where we don't. Where we do tillage, oh, it survives the frost way better. There's heat coming up from the ground, yeah. and so that's night and day, and that I know, but I'm not sure about the water. All right. Well, thank you for your time. You bet. Let's hope for a good season. You bet. Good luck down there, Randall. Thanks right. for calling in. Appreciate All it. All right. All right, let's go next down to, uh, or out to Oregon. We've got Hunter calling in. Hey, Hunter, how are you today? Good, how are you guys? Excellent. So what's happening out your way today? Uh, we're uh, doing some tillage, just getting done, just in a field, and yeah, really busy. So uh, what, what are you, you going to be seeding next? 
Uh, so we haven't we haven't drilled anything yet, but we okay. will be planting uh, a grain crop into these fields. So a forage mix, which is barley, oats, and peas, and then uh, maybe some barley. Sure. Yep. So you, you mentioned tillage and disking. Do you have many weeds that are up yet or anything? Or are you just trying to level the ground out, or what are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, we're just getting this field ready to plant. We're hoping to plant around the 1st of May. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, we, there's this, uh, it was an, it's an old alfalfa stand, so gotcha. there wasn't really any weeds. Yep. We killed it. Killed it last year. So, yeah, there's not much weed pressure out here. Sure. Yep. So you mentioned this forage mix. I'm curious about that. What are you doing the forage mix for? What what what's it going to? Who 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 are you selling that for to? Or or are you raising that for yourself and your livestock? Uh. So yeah. Well, it'll be for hay, and we will we will feed some of it ourselves, and then we will sell some of it as well. So have you found so it's pretty much it's it's pretty much just cow hay sure so have you found that this i'm just curious about this mix that you're using so is there a ratio of the different things that you like in there have you kind of experimented with that over the years or how'd you end up with this exact mix that you're going to do um well i mean we definitely like you know the grain crops uh the cows seem to like barley better than say some of the oats so sure. we we definitely like that barley in there, and then the peas, you know, they just make you know nice feed, and um, you know also yeah, they, it it just kind of helps the feed value I think, and sure. everything seems to really like it having the peas. Yeah. But we as far as the ratio goes, we don't we don't want to get too many peas, so we're probably I can't it's probably like fifteen to twenty five percent. Sure. Uh, peas in there. Yep. Because uh, we have found that the more pea, it's really hard to get the pods to dry down. So oh, sure. that can become an issue when you bale it. You know, you could get some burning or tobacco in it. Yeah. So, yeah, we found that the fewer peas there are, the easier it is to get it to dry. Okay. So here's my question because this comes up with us all the time people ask hey i've got this mix how do i kill the weeds so so how do you kill the weeds in this mix where you got barley and peas together uh well so on our on our grain fields you know that we just make hay out of we we never spray and we really we really don't have you know weeds aren't really a concern in in this grain hay and uh i mean you know we do you know, we do a lot of tillage before, so sure. uh, when we plant it, you know, there's really not many weeds. I mean, you know, you'll get a few, but nothing where, you know, it's where you need, would need to spray. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I can't really answer what we would spray because we never never really do. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there, there aren't a lot of things that would be labeled for both peas and barley, so that's kind of why I was asking the question. So, uh, Hunter, as you go into this spring here, anything new and different you're doing on your farm? Well, there's a slight possibility we've been approached from some canola growers uh, that grow uh, canola for seed stock. So there's a possibility.
possibility we might try growing some canola. Have you raised canola before? No, never. <laughs> yep. So we yeah we have we literally have no idea we have no idea what how what we're doing or really anything at all. But they're sounds like they're kind of desperate for some acres and sure. you know they're sounds like they're going to be watching over it very closely. So according to them, it sounds like you know it shouldn't be much of an issue, but it's going to you know it. it it's going to cost a lot more to grow than a lot, you know, some hay. Sure. Uh, but they're, it's, it's not a bad incentive what they're offering. So, uh, yeah, it'd be something different. And yeah, so we're not, we haven't signed the contract yet, but I sure. think we are leaning towards doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like fun. It, it's always, uh, it's always exciting when you're trying something different on the farm. Hope that turns out well for you. Yeah. yeah we're, we're excited. All right. Well, hey, Hunter, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. We really appreciate it, and we want to wish you the best as you go into this this spring. Okay, yep. Thanks, and you too. You bet. All right. Um, We don't have a lot of time left today, but we are going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Okay. Uh, first comment comes in. I don't have a name on this. I'm sorry, but we were talking about uh, no-till, and the comment was this: It needs to be called no-turn because you still need to do uh, pan rip. You may still need to do pan ripping, uh, slitting, debris chopping, and drilling, and those are all tillage, but not technically turning the soil. And that's what plowing is: is turning. Yeah, there there are. I mean, literally, when you touch that soil, and I agree, like even when you talk about drilling or seeding, technically, that is kind of a tillage. So I I, I understand where you're going, uh, but a lot of people are going to look at that just a little bit different. Uh, anyway, uh, next one here is from Kim, who says, hey, a while back, I called into the show and talked about suggestions for our hay fields, like seed and fertilizer and stuff. And you mentioned uh, that if I could send you some soil samples, then maybe you guys could give me some recommendations on fertility or at least let me know kind of what you think. So, Kim, I looked at the soil tests. It's fairly light soil in some spots, like six or seven for CEC. So it's not going to hold much. The other thing is with hay, it takes a tremendous amount of potassium and you're really, really low on potassium. So here's one, one field where it's 53 parts per million of K and only nine parts per million of phosphorus. So I mean, the P and the K are really the big things. I would say, too, I don't have tests on things like boron, manganese, zinc, uh, iron, copper. So, I mean, in the future, I'd really like to see that stuff. That that definitely impacts hay fields as well, although P and K are really the main thing. And then there was one field where it's 16 for CEC. The calcium was way up to 97% and 3,000 parts per million. That may be a little overstated, but still... Uh, if you've got light soil, we like seeing a little more magnesium than 2 or 5 or 6%. Bump the magnesium a little bit, so maybe some K-mag or something, that could really help you. Well, thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.